Morgan, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where normally each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. However, this week we are continuing our Toy Story conversation into a a much larger conversation. Um, I, as always, am Adam St. John. And I am Ian Woodington. And this is our Pixar episode. And this is where I say this is my first week of teaching and I am passing the baton to my good friend Ian. Yeah, so I I'm, I'm going to take point this week. Uh we'll start with uh we'll start with a little history. A little Pixar history. It. Uh I'm not going to hit every bullet point because there are many, but there the are. basic sort of story of Pixar, they actually go back much further than I thought they did. Um, the origins of Pixar, Pixar actually start uh, around 1974. There was a guy, Alexander Shore, who had founded the New York Institute of Technology. He came together to form uh, the Computer Graphics Lab, and their ambition was to do what Pixar eventually went on to do, which was to create the world's first computer-animated film. Uh, several core members of this group uh, would leave in the late 70s, and they would go on to join ILM, which... Industrial Light and Magic, that's George Lucas's visual effects company. A lot of those guys were there early Star Wars days um, when, you know, the guy who we now know as the sort of head of Pixar, or formerly the head of Pixar, John Lasseter, he joined them right around 1983. He had just been fired from Disney uh, for pitching the very same idea. He wanted to do the first computer-generated film, and he had pitched them The Brave Little Toaster as that first CG movie. Now, obviously, we know that that didn't quite go down that way. Uh, Lucas, in about 1986 or so, was having a lot of financial strain put on him. He was going through a massive divorce. Uh, The profits from Star Wars and all of the merchandise associated with Star Wars was starting to wane, and so he was looking to kind of offload Uh, They were known as Pixar by this time. Um, He was looking to offload them. And luckily Steve Jobs was there. Steve Jobs uh, gave Lucas $5 million for them and then turned around and put another $5 million into the company. Um, This was also actually around the same time that the early relationship with Disney began. Disney purchased a computer from them to start... Uh, cutting corners, well, I shouldn't say cutting corners, but to start sort of easing the load at Disney by finding ways to use computer-generated images to sort of help out the very labor-intensive hand animation process. So it was around 1991 that the first deal with Disney was struck. They made what was at the time a historic deal, $26 million, three-picture contract that would start with Toy Story. Uh, Despite this deal... Pixar were still, they had been hemorrhaging money for quite some time. Uh, before Jobs died, he had put something like $50 million of his own money into them. Uh, and Jobs, I think we may have mentioned last week, was considering uh, selling Pixar before the massive success of the first Toy Story. That same year, they also went public and had one of the best IPO offerings ever at the time. Uh, but the, the relationship with Disney wasn't always great. Uh, Again, something else that we talked about is during the time of Toy Story 2, uh, the relationship was really, uh, had really become quite intense. What we didn't talk about, however, was that Pixar, once they decided to upgrade 
Toy Story 2 from the 60-minute direct-to-video thing to a full-length feature, uh, Disney had refused to count it towards their three-picture deal. So, again, relationship very, very tense there. Um... At that point, they were splitting production and profits uh, 50-50, but Disney had the huge advantage because they owned story, character, and sequel sequel rights, as well as collecting something like 15% of a distribution fee. Uh, Eisner and Jobs constantly at each other's throats. Um... Eisner, the former head of Eisner, Eisner, yes, former CEO of Disney. Uh, Pixar were fighting for control of their intellectual properties. They wanted, obviously, to control all of those things that Disney had control of at that time, and they had attempted to, to leave Disney. So negotiations began around 2004, and they weren't actually formally concluded until about 2006 when Disney acquired them outright for $7.4 billion dollars. And this one of the, the things that really prompted Disney to make sure that Pixar didn't leave the House of Mouse was uh, one of the execs had taken his family and some other friends and things like that to Disneyland. And during one of the big parades that they do down Main Street, he's watching all of these characters pass by and like 10 or 12 of them go by and they're all Pixar characters. I mean, so that's. That lands yeah. us where we are today with, with Pixar very firmly under the thumb of Disney. Uh, I, I have mentioned again, I mentioned it last week, mentioning it again today, is that I really think that there's a massive gap in this kind of mainstream animation geared directly towards adults, the best we've had in the last decade, um, as far as a sort of mainstream computer-generated movie would be Sausage Party, and that kind of left a lot to be desired. I don't know if you saw that. I, I didn't, but I, I definitely know of it. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's got some clever stuff in it, but it kind of devolves into just pure garbage at the end. Like the last 20 minutes, it really starts to fall apart. So there you go. There's a little bit of history. Uh, Pixar, like I said, I didn't hit every bullet point, but that's kind of like the basic, you know, 50 cent outline of, of how it went down. Y- yeah, leading to- um... The only other things I was going to mention, um, because I did find time to watch that the um, the Pixar story documentary that's on Netflix this week. Um, I just wanted to mention uh, a couple of things. One being that um, towards the end of the movie, I think it was Ed Kaplan who was talking about Pixar being blamed for essentially the death of non-computer animated films. And, um, and that... It, it was because because of Pixar, pretty much specifically, that you know hand drawing and inking and, and and artists were being let go by the by the hundreds. I mean, I, I, how, what do you think of that? Is that is that an apt description, or is that is that a bit overly harsh? I, I think that's kind of horseshit. You know, Disney are. I mean, let's say they they recently have acquired Star Wars, Marvel. They bought. 20th Century Fox outright. They if you if they still wanted to make hand-drawn animation, they could do it. They still have the yeah. time, money and resources. So when I hear something like that, that's no, that's horseshit. Okay. I I mean, I I agree. I just I just wanted to I wanted to gauge your reaction to that. Because the there is still a, we... there is still a market for it. People would 
people i think when we see hand-drawn animation it's it's refreshing i think there is still an uh, an avid audience that appreciates it for sure i mean yeah I, I, it's i think actually ed kaplan said in the in the documentary it's not about the animation it's about the story if there was a good hand-drawn uh animated film out there w- people would watch it. it it's it's not that we can't adjust our eyes to the animation style it's it's the story that goes with it and that's again something you've got to get pixar a lot of credit for as we'll talk about some of our favorite films that they've done the story ideas and the creativity and the and the the depth of specificity to the movies that's why people keep coming back and back it's not necessarily because they're computer animated you know it's because of the stories plenty of their movies that would still be successful if they were hand-drawn versus being, I mean, do you think that Coco would have done any less business had it been hand-drawn versus computer-generated? I, I, well, I hope not. I mean, I do. Th- I think that was a that movie. I think criminally underperformed. Actually, I think that movie is is phenomenal and and um, should have done much better at the box office. Uh, if I'm being if I'm being honest. But anyway, sorry, I I cut you off there. Go ahead. Well, the only thing I was going to mention because I I think it's it's impossible. I think we should we should get into our discussion of the films here, but. We do need to talk about the fact that John Lasseter is no longer with Pixar. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit of little bit of misconduct there, some inappropriate behavior towards his employees, which is unfortunately the norm, or, or the the revelation of it being, you know, normal in that industry is is quite sad, and especially when you think of somebody who has created some of the most beloved children's films of all time. And again, that shouldn't matter, but you, I think, I think there is a certain section of the populace that would hold them to a sort of higher standard because they are making entertainment for children. Yeah. I, it's, I guess I just wonder if this is one of those things where does it, it doesn't matter who you are, that if you, if you garner enough power, that it just goes to your head and that it, it, it sort of gives you this, it gives you this sense of self permission that you can essentially do whatever you like. And I, and I don't know John Lasseter. And again, I think, I think it's maybe still important to say uh, accusations. Cause I don't know exactly if, and what he's been charged with. I know, I know he is no longer with Pixar because of a, a series of um, uh, sexual misconduct um, Rashida Jones came very out about this when she was one of the co-writers on Toy Story 4. Um, I think the, the bigger, the bigger issue I think is that, um, he's actually, I think heading up Skydance animation right now. Um, so it's not even as if he's been banished from the business. He's still, he's still working. Okay. So I want, I, okay. Well, so we, we got, yes, John Lasseter sucks. He's no longer at Pixar. There you go. Yeah. We got that, got it out of the system. Because, I mean, it's important. I think we would be remiss if if we hadn't, you know, hadn't yeah. brought that up. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, before we get into the features, uh, the other thing that would be remiss in not talking about would be uh, the shorts. Indeed. I mean, part of the charm and uh, one of the things that I talked about that I love about the studio is that kind of old Hollywood style of, you know, coming in entry level and working your way up the ranks. That's definitely evident in the guys who have done shorts have gone on to direct features. So 
Adam, if you'd like to start us off, we're going to just really rapid fire here, count down our top five Pixar shorts. Okay. Uh, my number five, and I, by the way, I did, I, I, I found a good chunk of time yesterday. I watched, I watched all of the ones that are considered um, the, like the, the animated shorts that aren't, they're not the uh, related to the feature films and they're not whatever the spark shorts are. So anyways, here we go. Number five for me is Lou. Uh, Lou is about the lost and found box and the the bully. Uh, number four, which is one I thought I, this might have been one I hadn't seen, but I really liked it, is uh, Lava. Um, the one about the Hawaiian Islands and the um, the volcano that sings and he's he wants to find love. And I think I just it reminded me so much of Israel and I can't think of his last name who sings um, over the rainbow. There was just something so sweet and melodic about it that I, I really enjoyed. Um, number three for me is partly cloudy. Uh, just maybe the funniest one of the whole bunch. I really enjoyed the the poor stork keep having to keep get those shitty animals to deliver, and when when the cloud thinks he's gonna leave, it's just he just wants to help him out more. It was it was great. Uh, number two, uh, one of the classics for the birds. Um, just just funny and and really really short actually like like two like two and a half minutes, but just just really good. And uh, my number one, which I think it's always been my number one since the first time I saw it. Uh, when uh, they released Toy Story 3 is Day and Night is my uh, favorite of the Pixar shorts. Wow, we are we are diametrically opposed on some of those. But Lava, I got to say, I'm not I'm not trying to shit on your list because you're you're obviously you're very welcome to do the same to mine after I listed off. But Lava did nothing for me, man. I that really, one. I really I was I glad when that. Lava was over. Ah, uh, uh, what did you th- I in a, in a totally it, this is not the same thing, but what did you think of Moana? I, as of recording this, I have still not seen Moana. I, but I oh. know I, I have gotten the lecture from several people. <laughs> but here's the thing: you also don't have kids, so I'm not gonna yes. like. Yeah, I've seen yeah, Moana I, more times than I can count. I don't doubt that. Is it still good on viewing seventy as it was on viewing one? parts of it i mean and i yeah. there are parts of it that are still just as good but there are parts of it that just slow way down and then you said uh you said partly cloudy which which isn't on my list but i did really enjoy partly cloudy especially like when he when he opens the thing and the alligator is in there that oh, that yeah. that got me that was great and then uh god sorry what was your uh what was your number two for the birds for the birds and then your number one day and night Day and, yeah, day and night was that one's interesting because that one that one almost feels like it has the the two main guys the day and night characters they feel almost hand drawn they they have that, that old school fifties look to them yes and but except for when their when their bodies move around the inside this like the inside of them animation is clearly the Pixar style which I right. I like aesthetically I was really I mean I like the story they're trying to tell too but I also just aesthetically I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, no, no, me too. I I I again it didn't make my list but I was I was compelled by it. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here's my top 5 Pixar right, shorts and I, and I I won't shit on your list until you get through all of them. Just so yeah, Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah, you can interject if you want. I mean that's No, no, no. I will I will I will refrain. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to cheat. I couldn't help myself. I have a two-way tie for number five. What a I, prick. I know. What a I know. prick. I, I know. This guy. This fucking guy. Uh, but one of them is Lou. Like, I hadn't seen Lou 
until uh what what was that paired with it was paired with uh cars three uh yeah i was i was actually kind of blown away by it. i wasn't expecting to enjoy that anywhere near as much as i thought i was going to that is tied with uh la luna which was in front of brave those are the 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 three generations of the the guys that go up onto the moon yeah that was oh man i was just tickled pink by that one uh number four is one man band which was in front of cars like the the score on that one incredible like the the music do you know who did the score for that i don't michael giacchino oh really that's awesome uh number three is piper now i don't I don't think the story in Piper is totally compelling, but the animation is stunning. Like, I, I, I watched I, it two or three times. Sorry, continue. Yeah, and that was that was paired with uh, Finding Dory. Uh, number two, and my number two and number one went back and forth quite a bit, but number two is Lifted, which was in front of Ratatouille. And this one I've seen, I don't know, 10, 12 times. It just... It never stops being funny for me, which is the same with number one. My number one is for the birds, which was in front of Monsters, Inc., man. I remember walking out of Monsters, Inc., and the guy, the, me and the, the buddy that I went with, we walked out and we went, yeah, Monsters, Inc. was good and all, but that for the birds short, that was that was worth the money. That alone was <laughs> worth the fucking money. Yeah, I was, upon reviewing all of these, I... I, I was surprised to not find Jerry's game as funny as I thought maybe it was in my mind. Um, I think Jerry's it, game goes on a little too long. Yeah, it, it just kind of fe- it fell a little flat for me. Um, I Piper, I totally agree with you. I think the animation is great. Actually, Piper and the Blue Umbrella, um, I thought the the animation was so realistic and so I. I it's it's we, we talked about a little in the Toy Story episode of how it must have been for old school Hollywood to to a first scene Toy Story, watching those two it was re- I had to re- remind myself a few times yeah this is a cartoon, they yeah. they created yeah. this yeah I know it's incredible, um, lifted uh, lifted I, I I think I think partly cloudy did more for me than lifted did but I I I understand I found one man band just not 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 fun at all i well i think the i think the music in it and how it just builds to a ridiculous crescendo just i i don't know man and the 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 way the girl kind of screws them over at the end that really (laughs) gets me with the two where she pulls out the two coins and throws them both over her shoulder into the fountain fantastic i think the only one that um because i do i do think that all of these have a, an essentially a there's a moral at the nugget of them right there's something that you can walk away from lou is a great example right it, you know about about not bullying and if you if you know doing nice things for other people feels good and it's how you can make friends i mean it's perfect great i there's i could wrap my head around the story i know exactly what they're trying to get at um presto was interesting because that one is just i think funny for the sake of funny i mean i i I, you could even like lifted and partly cloudy even though those are still ridiculous in their own ways there's still something in there you know there's still something to kind of like if i watch these with stella i could be like now the the moral of this would be you know fill in the blank presto is just silly for silly sake and that's not a bad thing but it, it feels the most um kind of out of place it feels it feels a lot like looney tunes in a way Oh yeah, very. Even even down to the the rabbit. I mean, it is essentially Bugs Bunny. <laughs> True. 
I mean, it does build to a pretty fun conclusion, but again, it's another one that, like Jerry's game, I think, I think it belabors the point a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But Matt, for yeah. the birds, for the birds being in both of our top five, I'm I'm pretty happy about that. For the birds is a fucking classic. Yeah, that is an incredible piece of animation. It is if you want to hear like genuine belly laughs from me, like for the birds is gonna get me there. Now, now, uh, two things really quick. One, for anybody listening, these uh, are all of these are available on Disney Plus too. So it was, it did. I used to. I remember Melissa and I once at one point we would we had a marathon of watching the shorts, but like having to take the discs in and out. And I am a proponent of physical media, but for something like this, it was so nice to just hit the back arrow, search there it is, boom. Ah, oh, it was just so quick and so nice and so easy. Um, and it's it's nice that they're all separated. I will say this though, because we did we did watch everything on Disney Plus, even though we do have most of the features. Uh, physical simply because they're they're all most of them are in 4k on there i do wish that they still had the shorts and the features tied together oh sure yeah like like because i know they have bonus features for the for the movies if you were to like drop down into that bonus features and just have a link to the short there would be fantastic so you could maintain that theatrical experience because that's that's what i ended up doing is i'm going through all the features i deliberately made sure to look up what short was paired with it and watch it first I don't know, out of some purist elitist need or something. No, I makes if I had the kind of time to do that, I would. I I'm happy I got all of them in. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, I'm I'm proud of you with your <laughs> with your schedule. I'm I mean, my hats off to you. Cool, man. Yeah. So uh, before we get into the features, you want to talk a little, uh, do a little Easter egg talk, little Pixar behind the scenes. Let's let's do it. Well, so the obviously loads of Easter eggs and ties between the films. The big one being a one one three, which is seen in pretty much all of them. Uh, it's an homage to a classroom at Cal Arts, which was attended by Lasseter and uh, director Brad Bird, uh, who did The Incredibles and went on to do one of the Mission Impossible's. Um, a couple of places where you can see it uh, in Scare one oh one. The, the Scare 101 classroom in Monsters U is A113. Uh, the directive to return to Earth in Wally is A113. Yep. Um, it's above the the one that I didn't notice, I guess because I, I really just wasn't paying attention, is uh, above the witch's shack in Brave. It's it's above her shack, but in Roman numerals. Oh my god, that's funny. That's good. That, that's, that's solid, right? And obviously the, the big one is, is Andy's mom's license plate in the first three Toy Stories is A113. There you go. We talked about this a little bit last week because he's in all four of them. Uh, John Ratzenberger, their good luck charm. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's in every one of them. I is mean, there any I, you can think of that he's, he's missing in? I mean, I, I the only one that I, I can't cement right now in my head is is Brave, but I'm not. Yeah, I don't I don't have the full list of ones that he's in, but he's uh, he's uh, Bill the Crab in Finding Dory. He's I I love him as the Underminer. I well I just love the name of that character in The Incredibles. Yeah, uh, he's most he's Mustafa the Waiter in Ratatouille. He's Earl the Velociraptor in The Good Dinosaur. He even has a very very small role. In Coco, as Juan or Ordoncia, Ortodoncia, I think is the last name there. 
Yeah, and it, then of course it, they they list him in Brave. There you go. Who is he in Brave? Whoever whoever Gordon is. Oh, I have no idea. But there you go. He's in he's in pretty much all of them then. Exactly. Uh, another big one is the Pizza Planet truck. They have managed to sneak that in to, to pretty much most of them, even in some really weird situations like the opening of The Good Dinosaur, which where where do you think you could get the Pizza Planet truck in, in The Good Dinosaur? Well, I guess one of the asteroids is in the shape of the Pizza Planet truck. Ah, nice. Nice. There you go. Um, Eve, she scans the engine of the Pizza Planet truck when she comes down in Wally. Uh, yep. do, 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 do. let's see Lotso uh, they hitch a ride on the back of it in uh, Toy Story 3 during the the, the backstory that the oh, yeah. flashback sequence it's even in uh, Finding Dory it's an underwater wreckage I oh, guess nice, you can, nice. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this last week uh, The Shining The Shining hasn't just appeared as a as they haven't just done homages to the shining in the toy story movies with with sid's uh carpeting uh they also uh that that here's brucey moment is obviously here's johnny in finding nemo um and then toy story 4 i think i mentioned midnight the stars and you you hear that playing on a phonograph but uh one thing i'm i'm fascinated by is how they always and i'll i'll wrap this easter egg up thing up with this with this huge run on sentence here that i've created if you'll bear with me is oh, uh i'm excited pixar tend to tease whatever movie is next in in some little way with some little easter egg in in the film so this isn't all of them but this is most of them uh monsters inc boo hands sully a nemo toy uh, the kid in the dentist room, which again I've never seen this. I had to go back and try and find this. But a kid in the dentist room in Finding Nemo is reading a Mister Incredible comic. Uh, Doc Hudson is seen during the final battle in The Incredibles. Carl's Walker from Up is seen upside down amongst Wally's trinkets. Lotso is actually seen in Up. Uh, that bit at the beginning where he makes his first ascent with all the balloons. The the little girl in that window she has a Lotso doll. Finn McMissile from Cars 2. He's on a poster in Andy's room in uh, Toy Story 3. There's a, actually, this this one's kind of funny. There's a Cars version of uh, the Brave family that's seen on a tapestry in a pub in Cars 2. That one I've never seen. I'm going to have to go back and try and find that one. Uh, the Witch's Home in Brave is chock full of references to other Pixar movies but the big one that teases Monsters University which is the next movie is you can actually see Sully carved onto a piece of wood uh, Inside Out was supposed to come after Brave oh sorry Inside Out came next after Monsters University it was supposed to be the good dinosaur so in Monsters U um, during that final sequence where they're doing the scare games and they've got the scare yeah. simulator Arlo, yep. the main dinosaur, he and a bunch of other characters are little toys on the floor. Uh, and then, because the good dinosaur doesn't didn't come next, they actually teased it again in Inside Out. There's a whole sequence where they're going back and they're looking at Riley's memories, and the woodbrush character is seen like at a at a roadside attraction when they're looking back at her memories. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Hank the Octopus is seen when Arlo is learning how to swim. He was in uh, Finding Dory. <laughs> There's actually two teasers for Coco in Cars 3. 
Uh, one of them is uh, Miguel's guitar. It's hanging at the uh, that little bar that they stop at once he's met all of all Doc Hudson's friends. And then uh, the other one is uh, when they're on the simulators, the, the town is one of the things that they use to motivate uh, the Mexican car. Ah, gotcha. Uh, there's an Incredibles poster in Coco that's painted as a mural in The Land of the Dead, which teases Incredibles 2. Uh, again, another one that I missed was actually uh, Jack-Jack has a Duke Kaboom doll in his playpen in Incredibles 2. <laughs> Uh, at the fair in Toy Story 4, there's a, a Pegasus that's in the same shape, uh, that same sort of character design is painted on the side of Barley's van in Onward, and the last one is there is a Dorothea Williams record on a shelf in Onward, obviously from Soul. Yeah. So thanks for I, thanks for bearing with me there while I ran down some of the teasers. No, and I, I've never done the research into it, but like there was a few times that I... The one that stands out to me is when Boo hands, um, uh, not Mike Wazowski. When Boo hands, um, oh shit! Come on, what's what's uh, Sully? Sully, yeah. When he, when he when he hands Sully the, the the Nemo doll, like that that one is is very obvious. And there are other times I've noticed it too, but that's that's great that they actually do it in every single one. I think that's fantastic. It's they they started to get a little bit more inventive after that i think because some of those i had no idea like i said some of them i went back and put the movie on and i was like oh my god yeah there it is yeah that's great no i think that that's fantastic so there you go there's some there's some some teasers some easter eggs some references to other movies and now we nice. begin the big pixar countdown starting yeah. with our bottom three well let's should we should we tell people all of the films all 23 Go for it. Run them down. All right. Chronologically, this is the order of the films. Toy Story. A Bug's Life. Toy Story 2. Monsters, Inc. Finding Nemo. The Incredibles. Cars. Ratatouille. Wally. Up. Toy Story 3. Cars 2. Brave. Monsters University. Inside Out. The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4, Onward, and Soul. That's that's a hell of a lot of films for 25 years. Damn right. Yeah, man. They've done, they've done some good work. So, bottom three. Yes. Again, would you like to go first? What is, what is number 23 on your list? Oh wait, so we're doing like our actual worst one first? I thought we got, we got to save the actual worst one for last, right? Th- this is why you lead the show. Okay, so I'll give you my 21st, my 21st favorite or my 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 third least favorite. Right. So yeah, this would be in your overall rankings, I guess this would be yeah. number 21. Yeah. Um it's it's Toy Story 4. Wow, it fell that much. I, the the problem is, I, I mean, I really had, I really struggled, um, because I've seen, I've seen, besides Soul and Onward, because they're just, they're just so new. I've seen all of these so many times, both because I've wanted to watch them and because the girls like them too. And it's funny, it actually, Toy Story two fell in my rankings a lot as well, 
simply because Toy Story 4 fucks up the trilogy. Like, I really, I, I actually think Toy Story 2, I, when I try to isolate it, I think Toy Story 2 is an entertaining film. But then Toy Story 4 kind of fucks up the the flow in the franchise. And again, I, I was just you know, thinking about our conversation. It's so much of it feels unnecessary. And outside of a couple of set pieces, I, I just, I, I, I just don't really want to rewatch it. Wow. That's, I'm amazed that, I mean, yeah, we, we kind of took it to task last week, but I am amazed to, to hear that it fell that low. Obviously it was never going to be in your top 10, but outside the top 20 even. Yeah. So my 21 is Cars 3. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, my Cars 3 is number 20. I mean, it's, it's yeah, low. It's, yeah. It's kind of neck and neck there. I mean, the the one thing I will say that I did appreciate about Cars 3 is I, f- I feel like it did what good trilogies do and they kind of bring things full circle. Like you get more of the legacy of Doc Hudson and it was kind of nice to, even though Paul Newman uh, was kind of long gone at that point, it was still nice to sort of feel his presence in the movie. Yeah. So totally. I mean, that 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 worked for me, but I mean, the Cars, the, the Cars franchise as a whole is really just not... Pixar's strongest hour out. I mean, the, the the first one I think has a lot to. There's a lot to appreciate in the first one. I think it is clever, the, more clever than most people give it give it credit for. Those second two do almost nothing for me. Yeah, I mean, and I think I, I at one point I think you asked me before you had seen it what I thought, and it it is I think it's better than it should be. Like I, given well, I'll, I'll say my thoughts, but um, I I I I think there are some good messages in there. Um, but it just feels, I I mean, if I, if I thought Toy Story 4 was, you know, I I mean, again, I, I have Toy Story 4 higher, but uh, you know, Cars, Cars 3 was definitely unnecessary. Yeah, absolutely. So you're number 22. You're not, I don't think you're going to like this. No, no, no. I just, I just, I don't think you're going to like my answer to this one. Is it brave? It is. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I like Brave. I'll I'll spoiler. Brave is not in my top five. Okay. But Brave is Brave is in my top ten. Yeah. Here's I think it. I don't know. There there's a lot of things about the movie that just don't don't necessarily click for me. I it's and I and I I, I gotta I gotta preface this by saying that I I understand that this is a it's a mother daughter story. Um. That is not why I don't like it. Um, I I like mother daughter stories. Um, this is just not the one for me. I mean, Lady Bird was one of my I think my top three films of the year that it came out. I it's not the mother daughter thing. I just it's I I didn't like the fairy tale aspect of it. It didn't. I don't know for some reason in my mind I still don't. It it's like that to me is a Disney movie. Disney should have done Brave. And I don't know why it's, it's one of those random things. And I, and I know you have quirks like this too, where it's like, I cannot get that out of my brain. This should never have been a Pixar film. This is a Disney film. There's something about, I didn't find it to be that creative. I didn't think it was that fun or original. I, I don't, I don't know. And, and I love, and I, and that's why I want and I'm going to backpedal again. I love that my girls love it. 
like when we, we when they watched it, they fucking loved Merida. And I'm like, good, lo- you should. And I think they'll have more to cling to. I think the mother-daughter thing will obviously work for them as they grow up. It, 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 it wasn't a story that I clung to. I didn't, it was hard to care about a lot of the characters. I, I thought too much was going on. I, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm very meh on Brave. Yeah, that's fair. I, wanna, I, I do appreciate that. I, I can appreciate what you're saying is that, yeah, it does feel more like a Disney film than a Pixar film, but I I liked Pixar sort of dipping their toes into the Disney princess world, and I think they've, I think they made an above average movie, you know, better than something like that came out, what was it, around the same time, was Princess and the Frog, was that somewhat around the same time? It was a few years before. Okay, well, I, 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 it obviously it doesn't stand in the pantheon of the great Disney princess films like Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella or Snow White or anything like that. But I do think, for recent times anyway, I think Pixar came in and they beat Disney at their own game. Fair. I mean, I I, I can agree with that. Because I mean, the the Merida character, she's far more badass than most Disney princesses. Yeah, well, and, and, I that, mean, and that's the aspect of it that I kind of enjoyed about it is like have throw something in there that you know a, a guy could relate to something that, that that would make us go oh god not just another Disney Disney princess film you know what I mean give give something it, it feels a little more universal than most of Disney's fare in that regard. Oh, for sure. I mean, D- Disney's princess as damsel in distress. Is a, is a real problem that they've had for, for decades. And I totally agree with you that Merida stands ab- stands above them in, in that sense. Like, look at her, be her own person. Look at her want to break from the mold. And again, I think that's very clear, and I don't think it's bad. I, I just, the way it's the way it's told, for me, no. I'm just lackluster on. Yeah, I, well, I could definitely do without the songs, I'll say that much. <laughs> I I got no qualms there. I, I it, whatever. I mean, yeah. Uh, my twenty two is probably going to be a little bit polarizing. Uh, a bug's life. Yeah, it's not very. It's not high up on mine. Yeah, it's just on on a repeat viewing. Like there is there is very little rewatchability to this, and the same problems that I talked about with Toy Story two. It, it's a movie that displays its that it it wears the growing pains sort of on its sleeve. I mean, it's not a particularly good-looking film. It came out after Toy Story, but for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's just me, I think it it doesn't look as good, even as the first Toy Story. Uh, I, I, the voice acting, yeah. voice acting's okay. I'll tell you what, though. Ants, that came out the same year, I think, is the better movie. I, I cannot tell you. The, I, I saw Ants, I think, when it came out on home video, and I have not seen it since. <laughs> it's yeah, it's uh, it's a little darker. The voice cast is better. You've got Stallone in there, Woody Allen, Sharon Stone, Christopher Walken, compared to, you know, the biggest name that they had in Bugs Life was unfortunately, well, unfortunately now Kevin Spacey. Well, that, I mean, that's true and not true. I mean, I mean, yeah, uh, it's Dave Foley, right? Dave Foley. It's uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. I would say, yeah, I know. I mean, I. I hear you. I mean, it, there are still recognizable names in there, but yeah, it, it you know, I get that Kevin Spacey is in it, 
and and that's regrettable. But I mean, and that's the thing too is I feel like for me, you know, I, I it's <laughs> I don't know how to say this, so I'm just I'm just gonna say it. Like, answer the things that you step on and you don't give a second thought about. And and I don't I'm not trying to take away that from the movie. Uh, but the the ants are are one thing and, and their plight and I get it and they're struggling with the grasshoppers, but I like I love Dennis Leary I love David Hyde Pierce like I I like the group of traveling fucking theatrical bugs that go around and, and do their little show like I think that shit is hilarious, but I, yeah yeah it's not it's uh just for you know for posterity's sake it's it's number fifteen on my list yeah I. When you're talking about the circus troupe, yeah, like, can the whole movie just not be about them? Can we can we have that movie instead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just there's, I don't know. I just I found myself annoyed by it this go around, and just sure, looking at my what I I was just waiting for it to end. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, boy, I I hope our number twenty threes are the same. I really hope they're the same. It's car. It mine's cars it. too. Yeah, it's cars too. That okay. film is, what is that movie, dude? I, I don't fucking know. I I don't know what anyone was thinking. I was, for the longest time, there were only two of the Pixar movies I hadn't seen: Cars two and Cars three. Um, and it was because, and it was because, quite honestly, Cars didn't make. I mean, Cars is fine, but it didn't make the impact on me that it made with a lot of people, and. So I was in of I think of all of the like of the sequels that came out, Cars Two was the one I was the least excited about, and I think it was the first sequel to or I mean outside of the Toy Story movies, Cars Two was the first sequel to come out, and I was I was kind of bummed. I was like of all of the of all of the movies, you're gonna the first one you're gonna do is Cars Two, ah, and the yeah, story I know, the- is just bananas. Yeah, we should have had that's that's about the time that we should have had the sequel to Incredibles. Instead I mean, of the it would have 14 made more year sense gap time wise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I That's a, something I can't uh, that's something I can't wrap my mind around with 14 years between Incredibles 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know, man. But I, yeah, Cars 2 barely barely worth talking about. Like I I just sitting here I I watched it I watched it, I don't know, like three weeks ago. I couldn't tell you a thing that happens in it. It's the problem. The problem that they, that the movie suffers from is that they're like, oh, um, Mater was a fun character. Let's get more of him in the movie. And, and, and instead of making him more important to Lightning McQueen, they just put him on his own, like, he, He's like helping do a espionage spy thing, and it becomes. And it was funny when I was putting the list together. I you had mentioned like making Toy Story more international with that with that sort of alternate buzz timeline, and I, I, I think it's, it's unfortunately very obvious that Pixar was trying to make a big international kind of of like dipping their toe into other markets. And I mean, I don't know how many people who enjoy the movie even noticed it, but it was like punching me in the face how big of an attempt this was to get to get more people involved and and i i got to say too the cars franchise day by day is is aging poorly it just like it is full of just stereotypes 
I mean, the yeah, Mexican absolutely. car being a low rider and, and, and the way it just chooses to sort of like take a group of people and like, like Mater is a redneck beat down old truck. Like it's just like it's surface level funny. But then like the more that you think about it, it's just like it's just it's unfortunately f- hammering stereotypes into what are unfortunately very young kids watching these. And none of, no movie is perfect. But upon revisiting some of some of these movies, especially cars like that, is just no good, no good. Uh, uh, I I agree. I mean, cars Cars One is probably a little further up my list than I think you would approve of it being. But <laughs> but let's be real. I don't approve of of a lot of the things that you do, Ian. Yeah, that's that is that is very true, very very true, and and smart. I would I would say that's smart. <laughs> All right, so that's that's the bottom three. I'm glad to hear that we agree that Cars 2 is abysmal and yeah. unwatchable and nonsense. <laughs> but here's here's the main event. This is what we're here for. The Pixar, Indeed. the official 1,001 by 1 top five. So if you'd like to start the proceedings... I certainly can, my good friend. And uh, unless you, unless you want me to go first, I mean, I'm I no no no. I have no I, I, I have no totally preference. Go first, and I w- I will say I know we just did our our bottom three, and um. And like I, you know, I I didn't say a lot of good things, but I will say. Basically, one through you know fifteen through sixteen, you know, like these are good movies, and especially like, top ten was tough. Even doing top ten, I'm really glad we're focusing on just five because I. I, and even now, I'm still like, uh, I don't know. But uh, here we go. Fuck it. Number five. Talked about it last week. Woody, Toy Story. That is my number five. <laughs> you did it. Next stop, Andy. Wait a minute. I just lit a rocket. Rockets explode. <laughs> That's that's not in my top five. I mean, so it's one of those things where I and you've heard me say stuff, stuff like this a lot that um, like directorial debuts should not necessarily be in the book because a really good director made it and that they would go on to do other things. And um, and, I, and I do stand by that. And I, I actually thought when I was making this list, I'm like, I don't think Toy Story is going to make it because. I just think maybe it's too old or it's we've come so far and there are other movies that I, that I click with more. But when, when I was rewatching them off of the pod, it still works. It's still funny. It's still sincere. And it, 
it's still like I can't believe it still makes me feel the feelings that I felt when I first watched it. And if anything, now they're just more ingrained in me. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say too much about it because we spent two plus hours talking about the franchise last week. Um, but it still works. And as the first feature film of Pixar, man, something you fucking you, you hang your hat on and be fucking absolutely proud of. I think it's I think it's an amazing movie. It, yeah, it really is. I was again, I'm like you, I'm surprised just how well it holds up, you know, despite the fact that I mean, you can see a little bit of the age in the animation. Yeah. You look at the the scud, you look at the dog especially yes. and you can uh, like how far they've come even even in something like Up, which is still, you know, 12 years ago now at this point. Yeah. Yeah. My number 5, number 5 with a bullet is Wally. Now, I wouldn't have even considered Wally. I would have barely considered Wally top 10 material a few years ago. Wally kind of passed me by. I was sort of dulled to it by the hype. I thought it was a little bit heavy handed on my first go around, but something about it this time, man, it hit me in all the right places. And it is, it is a beautiful looking movie. Anyway, I don't, I, I should I, should I? Should I continue no, 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 talking no. about it? I don't know if it's nope, in your I, five or not. It is It is not in my top five, but okay, I, I just right. wanted to uh, share my sentiments that they're, they're pretty much in line with you. I, I felt the same way. I, I certainly appreciated for what it was when it came out. I don't think I, I immediately understood the hype. Um, I, I think this probably would have been in my, you know, 14 to 18 range. It It's my 10. It rounds out my 10. Um, but it did, oh, it did jump so a lot. And I, I think... It's a lot of, you know, kind of what we were, what I mentioned in, about Toy Story 3 with the having to use a cell phone to get a kid's attention being so prescient. A lot of Wally uh, is, it's kind of astounding how much it's still, you know, like we're, we're fucking destroying this planet. But uh, the hope that, you know, that we can have hope that we can, there's, it's I, as cheesy as it sounds, that we can, the hope for a better tomorrow can start today, you know, and, and yeah. I think it's a great message. Yeah, I, I think it is a fantastic lesson. I, I And there still is a moment or two that I think is a little heavy-handed. There's the bit on the bridge where the captain is alone there, and he's learning about the history of Earth, and he's got the plants. And he's like, oh, you just needed someone to take care of you. And he looks off to the side, and there's the globe. I'm like, that's... Okay, yeah, this is one of those sledgehammer to kill a fly moments, but <laughs> but I get it. You know, you've got you've to reach everybody. Um. And it just, like I said, the animation just bowled me over this time around. Like, I couldn't... It was one of those things where I was trying to take a note here or there just to remind myself of little things that I wanted to talk about. 
on the pod, but I just I found myself not being able to to look away. I mean, especially when you when you look at like something like the surfaces of the robots and the way that light reflects off of them. I mean, it's it's incredible to think that this film is it came out what two thousand eight. Yep. So we're talking thirteen years ago, and it's still. I mean, you could release this film today, and I think it would pass as it w- it would pass for you know Toy Story four as good looking as that. I mean, I think they really outdid themselves, um, and the fact that so much of the film is it, it's not silent. Obviously, there's still you know sounds and music and things like that, but uh, without dialogue. I mean, I'd read that they watched Buster Keaton movies and Charlie Chaplin movies every day while they were making it to make sure that they kept that aesthetic of well, our characters need to communicate without dialogue, and I mean it really shows. And I think oh, it yeah. earns. I think it really earns some of its sillier moments, like when the robots go berserk and there's the huge robot uprising that happens. I think I'm I'm all for it. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, but I think I definitely think that they they put themselves through the paces earlier in the movie to earn a beat like that, and the inclusion of Fred Willard. You yeah. Know, make, yeah. You know, so you're. The other challenge there being is that they're shooting something live action, so now you have something real and tangible in the film. Now you have to match the animation so that it fits in with something that you actually shot on film. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they really... I think they really set the bar so high for themselves with something like Wally. And, I, and, well, I, and I, I'm a big Peter Gabriel fan. I love the song at the end. The fact that that didn't win Best Song at the Oscars still pisses me off, and that that beautiful montage at the end where you see the different styles of art and animation as times as we start to go obviously it's kind of backwards through time for us but forwards through time for us for them as their civilization is going to grow yeah well let's not forget that the best song oscar is is a, is a joke um they, it, they it, it is a joke get it wrong or don't even nominate the right <laughs> but I um, mean, Peter Peter Gabriel didn't just write a great song for a film. He wrote like a, just a great song in general. Yeah. Did you have any before we move on? Any any sort of final thoughts on Wally? Seeing as though it's not in your top five. Um. I, only, I, the only what I was gonna say was that um I think it, Wally it was Wally and and the Dark Knight I think in 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 tandem that sort of opened up the Oscars eyes to being like, I don't know if we're frequently getting the right movies in for best picture and that maybe five isn't right. I mean, I know the dark Knight gets a lot of credit for that, but I, I think Wally frequently gets thrown into, I think, and I think rightfully so, especially the, tra- the trajectory that Pixar was going on and, and continued to go on, it continues to go on. Um, and the stories and, and themes are trying to tackle. Uh, so I just thought it was sort of a thing that, I mean, it, it had been, you know, Wally won best animated feature and, and, Pixar had been doing pretty well with that category anyway. Um, but important to note that that sort of was a, a good, a change in tide for animated films and, and what they could, what they could do in at the Academy Awards. Yeah, no, I, I think it definitely transcends animation. It's what I hope is when people talk about it, they don't just talk about it as a, as a great animated film, but as a, just a great film. Yeah. So that brings us to your number four. Yes, it does. Um, my number four, uh, I, I, and I, here's what I'll say. My my top four, I, I always knew were going to be in my top four. It was just the ordering of them. So my number four um, is a little film called Finding Nemo. Oh. Oh. 
he lives. Hey, dude. Oh, what happened? Oh, I saw the whole thing, dude. First you were all like, whoa. And then we were all like, whoa. And then you were like, whoa. What are you talking about? You, mini man, taking on the jellies. You got serious thrill issues, dude. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Oh, oh, my stomach. Oh. Oh, man. Hey, no hurling on the shell, dude, okay? Just waxed it. So, Mr. Turtle. Whoa, dude. Mr. Turtle is my father. Name's Crush. Finding Nemo oh, actually right, fell dude. out of my top five, Check which surprised out. the shit out of me, man, because I have loved Finding Nemo. I, for as long as I can, for as long as it's been out, I mean that's always been a go-to Pixar of mine. So it was it was shocking to me when it didn't actually land in the top five. So yeah, if you'd like uh, to walk I, us through your Finding Nemo choice yeah, at number I mean, four, there, there's so much there, there's so much that I like about it. Um, obviously, I think the voice acting of Albert Brooks and Ellen DeGeneres is uh, pretty iconic. I, I love what they do in the movie. Um, it's it's a it's a really silly film, and uh, but obviously it got uh, but a lot of heart. I mean, a lot of you know Marlon trying so hard to find his son, and and I love that they're they're working they're they're really working to get back to each other. I, and I think that's important too. I think it when people describe this movie, it's it's Marlon is trying to find Nemo, but it's just as much of Nemo trying to find Marlon as well. And and these these two people who who love each other so much and are so dependent on each other, but it's, it, it reminds me of, <laughs> maybe I'm sharing too much. It can be really hard for guys um, to just express their feelings to each other. And, you know, it, and for whatever stupid bullshit macho reason that is, I think it just happens. I think it happens to be true. Um, and, you know, I, I know Marlon is so protective because of what happened to his wife and all the other, the fish eggs and stuff. But, I, I just love the story, and what I think what I really, really like about it is that all all of the side characters that we meet, um, whether it's Bruce the shark or um, uh, the sea turtles, or and, and even the tank full of other people that Nemo are with, including uh, like the voice talents of Willem Dafoe and uh, Brad Garrett, um, there's not too much of them. There's just enough of them. Like, we don't spend too much time with the sharks before we move on. You know, we're with the turtles for a while, and then they, they swim away. It's just this, like, you know, we're following Marlon and Dory, and then and, and Nemo try to get back to each other. And I just, I just, I love all of it. Plus, I, I don't know, I, this was one of those things where I saw this in theaters with the weirdest group of people, a group of people I don't even, I don't talk to or hang out with anymore, but... We went kind of thinking as like we'd go as a joke. Oh, we'll go see Finding Nemo, man. It'll be fun. And it was sold out. I can't believe we even got in. And it was a it was a fucking blast. And and you know, and then again, here's where I have to I'm gonna play another card where it's like where Brave didn't work for me, Finding Nemo really fucking does. And I don't know. I just I I love it. I love this movie. I mean, dude, I get it. Like I said, I was, I'm was i shocked that it's not in my top five. And, and you know, as we go through, you'll see why. But, you, yeah, you're talking about, like, guys not being able to express themselves. That's one of my, my favorite moments in the movie is the juxtaposition of the way that Marlin is so overprotective of Nemo. And then when he meets the Turtles and that relation, that father-son relationship, it opens his eyes to being like, well, parenting doesn't just have to be one way. It could also be this. I, I, I mean, I really love that. And, and the way you talked about, um, 
you know, the, the characters that we meet along the way, like nobody really outstays their welcome as, yeah. as far as the side characters go. That's, that's great because there is a tendency to like, when you, when you come up with a clever side character, for example, like Scrat in the Ice Age movies is there's, there's a little bit too much of him, you know, you know the, uh, less is more. And, and I think sure. Finding Nemo does that perfectly. And the voice cast as well, incredible. You mentioned Willem Dafoe. Jeffrey Rush is also in there as one of the Pelicans. I mean, it is yeah. a, it's a phenomenal cast. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the movies that preceded it, because obviously there were some amazing voice talents in, in the four films before it. But I think this is where actors started to go, hey, man, there's, this isn't just animation. There are some great stories that we can lend our voices to, great stories that we can tell here. I mean... Willem Dafoe, I mean, that's incredible to get someone well, like him in your animated of, film. I, I'm just and I, I'm just trying to think of like the I, the iconicness of it. Like obviously, I think you know, to infinity and beyond, it, you know, is one of the Pixar quotes. But just keep swimming. I mean, that was. I mean, I, I think it's like if you show a kid that movie. They're going to walk away. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. It's just going to be in there. And it's, I mean, yes, it's repetitive, but I mean, it, it just stuck. It just stuck in people's brains and in, in a good way. I just, I don't know. I, yeah, this movie is great. I love it. Yeah, it's kind of making me question my decision, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to leave Wally <laughs> at five. All right. So that's uh, what's my your four. My number four is Coco. We'll save that. We're gonna we're gonna save All that right. conversation. Okay, you're number three. My number three is uh, the third movie of a trilogy, and that would be Toy Story three. My number three is also Toy Story three. Hey, that's look awesome. at that. Yeah, man, I, mean, I mean, if I don't think we have to hammer home anything in this episode. I mean, if you want to hear us talk more about Toy Story 3, go check out the episode last week if you haven't already heard it. But God damn, man, I'm... I still I'm thinking about the trash compactor scene now and it's it's it really is making my the hair on my arm stand up. It is really that good. I you know again it, the timeline of this for the audience who hears it'll be off but I you know was I've been editing I was editing that episode this week and and I was picking the clip for it and I I picked I picked Andy talking to Woody and I just that that whole moment but I I just again I just want to I just want to harp on this one little thing which is Instead of just giving the toy to Bonnie, he's talking. He's ta- instead of talking to Bonnie, he's talking to Woody. He's looking right at Woody and saying all of these things. And of course, Woody's a toy, so he can't be. He can't be the Woody that we know at that moment. But just, I don't know. It's like it's so sad. But like, I also I can't help but grin thinking about what Woody's internal response must be to hearing all this stuff from Andy. Like, it's just it's a wonderful moment. It's a wonderful movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a perfect end to the it would be a perfect trilogy if Toy Story 2 
I don't know. I'm, I'm sure some people look at it as a perfect trilogy, but again, I just some of the the faults in Toy Story two, I just can't get past. And I and that's things that I I know I like two more than you do. Four is the thing that really ruins it. Yeah. yeah. All right, number two. Well, we we so we're we're, we're to it. We're we're to it. It's uh, my two is Coco. Coco. Your papa. He wanted you to have this. <gasps> Mama, wait. Remember me. Though I have to say goodbye, remember me. Don't let it make you cry. For even if I'm far away, I hold you in my heart. I sing a secret song to you. Each night we are apart Remember me Though I have to travel far Remember me Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah man, I, um, uh, I, I had gone quite a while. This watching it for this podcast was the first time that I saw it, and I can't. I know. Oh man, I want to kick myself in the ass so hard for waiting this long, because <laughs> I, I mean, I mentioned having Pixar fatigue last week, having done them all in in quick succession, but I cannot wait to go back and do Coco again. Yeah. It is just stunning it's so refreshing to have a movie that's set outside of the normal sort of world that pixar inhabits it's great to 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 experience a different culture the music in it is incredible the land of the dead everything about the land of the dead i was completely in love with those character designs i know they in the reading that i did about the movie they talked about how hard it was to sort of give character to the skeletons and the facial expressions and things like that. But I would have never guessed that by the end product, because I mean, how could you not fall in love with those characters? They're all incredible. Yeah. Especially yeah, I, the, the Gail, Gail Garcia Bernal character, the, uh, what is his, Hector. what is his name? Hector. Hector is, Hector is incredible. What yeah, a character. I, I mean, I, I think that is one of Pixar's best characters in years. Oh, it's it's great. I mean, and uh, you know, I I love this idea that every every movie should be a mystery, and the revelation of uh, it's not Ernesto de la Cruz that's actually uh, Miguel's great grandfather. It's it's Hector, and I I just love the way that all plays out. Um, I have to I have to say the first time I saw this movie, I I I, I just I gotta put it out there. So Coco was the first movie that we took Stella to see in theaters. Um, it was on Thanksgiving Day. I think that might've been the day it was released or if not, it was right around that time. And, um, Sophie was like, like three months old. So, uh, my mom watched her well, and we were up and we went up to La Connor for Thanksgiving and we went to the, the AMC that's in Burlington. And so we go, but we, the draw wasn't Coco. I don't know if you remember, but there was like a 20 minute frozen short film that was honestly, we were taking Stella to see it because Stella fucking loved frozen when she was a little kid. 
And so we went and, and the frozen thing was fine. It was frozen. She loved it. We had no idea what, what we were in for with Coco. We had no idea. We had no idea how family centric it was going to be. Um, Stella like lit up. I mean, she wasn't, and, and she was like three. So I'm surprised she wasn't like really crazy. She was standing, but out of excitement and watching her watch the movie. And then, you know, I, I mean, when Miguel comes back and, and plays Remember Me for Mama Coco and she starts singing, it's just so fucking perfect. And then, and, and it's like, and it's all the little moments that come with it where the next year, Hector's, Hector's picture is on the ofrenda and, but Mama Coco has died. So they, they get to meet up and I don't know. It's just so fucking fun and sweet and amazing. I mean, the, the waterworks were turned on from me. Yeah. From the second he comes back and starts singing, remember me. And then I, I love the song that ends it as well. It's yes. What a, this, the word that I keep using is what a refreshing experience. I mean, for me, this comes, Coco comes during a run of really subpar Pixar movies. You know, the sequels well, to Cars. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, hold on. Let me, I just want to pull this up because I want to have this in mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there, well, I'll, I'm going to skip over, but yeah, this is like, you know, Cars 2. Uh, then Monsters Universe, Monsters University, Finding Dory, Cars Three, Incredibles Two is on the horizon. It's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah we needed needed something fresh because Pixar was becoming very stale at that point. Like I, I was writing Pixar off. I was like, great, Disney have got their hooks in you, and now you're just part of the House of Mouse money making machine. Like that's you've you've given us all you have to offer. And then out of nowhere comes Coco to remind us of of the storytelling power and and just beautiful filmmaking that, that can happen at Pixar. I mean, they yeah. really, really outdid themselves with this one. Though, I would bring up a couple of negative things that I found, well, amusing. I, I should say slightly amusing, but more shocking than anything else. Uh, so, Coco had been pitched like way back in 2010. It ended up coming out in 2017, so it's a seven-year journey for for it to get made. But around 2013 or so, when they're starting to get serious about going into production, Disney had actually tried to trademark Dia de los Muertos. Which, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> and claiming claiming that they were trying to protect like the trademark, that like the name of the movie. What the fuck is wrong with you people? There is, I tell you, there is literally, if there is a hell, I promise you, there is a circle of hell reserved just for Disney's lawyers. Because <laughs> there are, there are, there's a circle of hell for lawyers, and then there's one just beneath it for specifically theirs, because they are more crooked than a fucking spiral staircase, man. Like, how, like, in what world do you think you can get away with that? Obviously, it, it was shut down pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, dude, I don't, that's, that's crazy. The, the great thing about it, though, came, um, and, and you really should look up this, this image. There was a, um, a Mexican American cartoonist, his name, uh, Alcaraz was his name. He drew a film poster called, uh, Muroto Mouse, and it was a big skeleton, like Godzilla sized Mickey Mouse, and it had the tagline, It's coming to trademark your cultura. 
Uh, it's it's a really it's a it's a great image. The funny thing about that is, two years later, they actually hired him as a cultural consultant. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, that's great, right? God. But yeah, oh, no, man. I I I genuinely can't wait to rewatch Coco. Yeah, it's a wonderful movie. It's a it's incredible. You know, I think I think I already know what your number one is. I'm sure you do. My number two is probably your number one is Inside Out. It, it is. It is. Yeah. Which I guess brings us to my number one. We'll save the Inside Out talk for just a second. But my number one is Ratatouille. This is me. I think it's apparent I need to rethink my life a little bit. What's my problem? First of all, I'm a rat. Which means life is hard. And second, I have a highly developed sense of taste and smell. Flour, eggs, sugar, mm, vanilla bean, oh, small twist of lemon. Oh, you can smell all that? You have a gift. This is Emil, my brother. He's easily impressed. So, you can smell ingredients. So what? This is my dad. He's never impressed. He also happens to be the leader of our clan. So what's wrong with having highly developed senses? Whoa, 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 don't eat that! What's going on here? Turns out that funny smell was rat poison. Suddenly dad didn't think my talent was useless. I was feeling pretty good about my gift. Until dad gave me a job. I, I couldn't do it, dude. I really couldn't do it. I tried. I went back and forth for a while between Ratatouille and Inside Out. And the conclusion that I came to is that I don't think Inside Out would be as good as it is without Ratatouille having come first. I, I, think, I, I, I think, think Ratatouille... Yeah, I, think I know you think I'm the same person. I think Ratatouille laid the groundwork for both Inside Out and Coco. I, let me, I, I, wanna, I, I have to hear this, the justification for that. Well, it's it's the writing. I think this is where the writers at Pixar really matured. They really came into their own as far as creating this. I mean, I really, it comes down to the power of the ending. Like the the ending of Ratatouille stops me in my tracks every single time with that speech that the Peter O'Toole character Anton Egon gives about uh, Anton Ego. He gives about critics. And that whole realization of, of what Gusteau meant when he said, you know, anyone can cook. It's not that anyone can cook, but a great cook can come from anywhere. I just, there's something about it that I find so inspiring and uplifting. And it, it's, again, like, like Wally, it, Ratatouille for me transcends the box that you are put in when you make an animated film. You know, Ratatouille to me isn't just a great animated movie. It is a great movie. And the fact that we care about... The, the, the image of a rat in a kitchen, right, should be repulsive and abhorrent. Yeah. But you, you, how do you not fall in love with... Uh, oh God, why am I blanking on the name? Why, how do you Remy? not fall in love with, Re, with Remy? And, and Emil, both of them, I mean, I think they're fantastic. And the animation is stunning all the little hairs on the rat and things like that. We should be repulsed by, anyway, like I was saying, we should be repulsed by this image of the rat in the kitchen. But 
I feel myself like cheering for him and, and wanting him to succeed and wanting him to get the recognition that he deserves for his love and his passion and his culinary skill. I mean, it's, I, I don't know why I, I, this movie just, it just doesn't do it for me. I, I, I hear, I, I, I think you have and an other, other, you know, other sites I visit and podcasts I listen to, I, I've heard a lot about that, the, the scene with ego when he tries the ratatouille and it like zooms into his brain to when he was a kid and it's his mom making it for him. And it was like the thing that cheered him up. I think that's I think that's a I think that's a good moment in a movie that otherwise just feels like a screwball comedy. I just I don't like I and everything that you said is like yeah I of course I'm cheering for Remy and you pursue your dreams and and that's all great. The I I got to say the plot is kind of thin like Emil being the long lost whatever and then he's got to get the kitchen and the uh, the short chef is a prick and like I, to me, it just, it's, it's a wash. Like, I don't, I do not think it's a bad movie. I think in terms of what, like, I think it's highly overrated personally. Oh, that, that hurt, that hurts me to hear. But I, I get what you're saying. Some of the plot points are a little thin and I do wish some of the other members of the kitchen were a little more fleshed out. I do love the one character where they, they can never nail down why he was in prison. I, I do kind of like that. But yeah, the relationship between Linguini and Colette, I mean, yeah, that's not great. I mean, I, I get that that's kind of like thrown in there because, I mean, it's a Pixar family movie, have a love interest thing going on. I get it. But I don't know, man. I, I can't rag on Ian Holm doing the Skinner. I kind of, I like that. I like the maniacal mustache twirling mischievous thing about how he's taken this great legendary chef and he's turned him into a product. Uh, that that part of the story I do really like. Yeah, I, and I, 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 I by no means think it's a bad movie. I don't, but it's, I, yeah. There's just a. It does. I mean, it just doesn't. It doesn't click for me the way that it clicks with others. And I, I just, I. Yeah, I don't know. It's. It, I. It's. I. It, I have a problem with it. I. I. There's a. I'm going to save this for when we kind of talk about some of the other movies here, but uh, yeah, it just doesn't, it, 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 okay. I'm going to tease it. It's trying to have its cake and eat it too. How, how so? So I'm going to, so I'm going to make a comparison to up up. Uh, I, I by no means watched, rewatched all of these and I by no means watched them in any kind of order. Uh, but up, I watched yesterday with the girls up um, made me cry four separate occasions in the movie. It is a really effective movie when it's focusing on Carl. When they get to Paradise Falls and it becomes about dogs that can talk and snipes and the uh, uh, months being there the whole time, and it, 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 it's trying to be this sweet story about this old man doing this thing for his, his now deceased wife and also trying to be this weird rollicking crazy fucking far-fetched adventure. And for me, Ratatouille is trying to be this 
this sweet, sincere story about a rat who, who wants to cook. And unlike the rest of his family who just eat to eat, he wants to savor, the, savor life and, and, and do something new. But it's also trying to be this, this kind of who gives a shit story about this dumbass kid who doesn't know that he's actually, he's actually like food royalty, you know? And like, th I think that's what I mean. It's like, I, I only care about one of the two stories. And so when it, when it tries to merge them together, it doesn't work for me. And that's why the parts of Ratatouille that work for me, they work for me, but the movie overall doesn't, you know, it's, it was so up with such a weird rewatch because They've been they've been at Paradise Falls forever and forever and forever, and I'm like, okay, I, it's fine. And then he opens the Spirit of Adventure book, not realizing that his wife had filled it in with the pages of their life, and it makes you fucking cry because it's so sweet. And then they go right back to the bullshit you just left, and that that's what I mean. It's 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 a lot it's a lot going on for me, and I I don't like the way they those two movies in particular tried to mold it all in there. Yeah, I, I get that, especially especially with Up, because Up Up isn't very high in my estimation for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. It the the gelling of those two stories works a little better for me in Ratatouille than it does in Up, simply because I feel like it's it's a much more natural progression. It's a little bit more justifiable story wise, because Emil, uh, not Emil, uh, Remy needs Linguini. And Linguini needs needs Remy, otherwise we can't progress the story. So I, I I can justify that a little more than I can the two the two diverging stories that happen in Up. But I I see where you're coming from. It just works a little better for me in Ratatouille than it does for you. There you go. There it is. <laughs> but Inside Out. Inside Out, your number one, my number two. Uh, I was I was looking for um diversion. What? <laughs> so long, sucker. Oh, I heard all over. Wait, I know you. No, you don't. I get that a lot. I look like a lot of people. No, 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 I do. <gasps> Bing Bong, Riley's imaginary friend. You really do know me? Well, of course. Riley loves playing with you. You two are best friends. Oh, oh, you would know. We're trying to get back to headquarters. Headquarters? You guys are from headquarters? Well, yeah. I'm Joy. This is Sadness. You're Joy? The Joy? Mm-hmm. Well, what the heck you doing out here? That's a good question. You want to answer that, Sadness? Oh, oh without you, Riley won't ever be happy. We can't have that. We got to get you back. Uh, I'll tell you what, follow me. Oh, thank you. It is so great to see you again. I gotta tell you, I am such a huge fan of your work. Do you remember when you and Riley were in a band? Oh, I went to all of your concerts. Yeah, I blow a mean nose. Watching you play tag was such a treat. Two-time world champ. Oh, and remember your rockets. Of course, it runs on song power. That's right, your theme song. Who's your friend who likes to play? Bing bong, bing bong. His rocket makes you yell hooray. Bing bong, bing bong. What exactly are you supposed Supposed to be? You know it's unclear. I'm mostly cotton candy, but shape-wise, I'm part cat, part elephant, part dolphin. Dolphin? I mean, I I talked about it a fair amount on you the Pinocchio episode because it was my it was my replacement. Um, uh, I didn't rewatch it for this, but for our Pinocchio episode, I rewatched it because I wanted to have it fresh in my brain. And I mean, this movie. It, it it just ticks all the boxes for me. It's I think it's fun for adults. I think uh, it's fun for kids. There's a lot that Stella can cling to and like. Um, 
And and I know it's while it's not like an adult movie, it it certainly it 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 feels adult enough for me. It, it's I don't know the the innovative way that they they tell the story and 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 give a give give you know uh, give life to the to the way that your mind works is I, I I just think it's so great and uh I don't know man I it, it yeah it takes it, it makes me laugh it makes me cry it makes me hopeful um and it's a movie I can watch with my kids and uh that's a big well, win for me well what's great about that is I mean we're we were adults when it came out but what's great for for your kids is that it's a movie that's going to grow with them and as they get older you know watching it at different ages they're going to find different things in it as they grow up and they mature and they wrestle with a lot of the emotions that Riley wrestles with in the movie i mean that's you you get to you get to watch it through that i'm a little bit jealous of that is that you get to watch it through their eyes over the course of you know many years yeah. So yeah, I I think that's what I, what I hope is that Inside Out is going to have a lot of longevity because of that because it is a film that can grow with you and you know and as multiple age groups start to find it you know they'll find new new things to love about it and new meaning in it. The amount of research they did on it was incredible. The fact that it is all based in real psychology, real you know, real science is is incredible. Um, and I also think that kind of, some of the reviews were, uh, I, I noticed a little lukewarm to it just because they thought it was, it was too reaching, you know, it was too, the ideas in it were too broad for a children's film. And I, I, I don't know, I just can't agree with that because of the reasons that I just mentioned, because it's a film that I think if you actually give the time to that, you will, you will find so much of yourself in it because it is about, even though it's about, a 13 year old girl really it is about all of us i mean the only reason they chose uh to make it about a 13 year old girl is because i guess girls in that age range like the 11 11 to 17 age range they they are more expressive and so the i think it uh, reading about it the movie went through like seven different drafts and it took them a while to realize that no we need to make this about a girl rather than a boy so i think i think that was smart on their part Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. I totally I agree. Yeah. yeah. And again, another one of those things with the voice cast, you know, getting like like Toy Story, showing that they still have a lot of respect. They're not just going for the big A-list names. And that's not to say that any of the people in it. I mean, they are they are stars in their own right, but they are still, though, that kind of working comedian that came from, you know, there's UCB people in there and improv people, you know, Bill Hader, Amy Poehler, Mindy Kaling, you know, going after those kinds of those kinds of comedians, I think, shows a great respect for the medium. Well, and and, and this kind of ties in uh, two different things. So I'll, I, just talking about the the casting of the of um, uh, the emotions. Right. And not only are they great casting. And so I, I want to talk about the fact that. Um, like, I think like we ha- we actually have a book for Stella. It's it's not really a book, but um, it's it's a book of emotions, and it's one of those things where it's like I'm mad or I'm sad or I'm hungry, and on the back of them it says like these things that you can do if you're feeling this way, right? So I actually think the idea of of these like these basic emotions make makes total sense, and like Stella again, I'm using my own my own child for reference, but like she's not confused by any of this. Like she knows 
what those emotions are and, and gets why they're acting the way that they do. Um, but yeah, just, but then just like the, like, you know, if you know who, like my, Stella doesn't know who Lewis black is, but anybody else who does totally gets why he's cast as anger, right? Casting, um, Phyllis from the office as, as sadness. It's just, Stella hasn't watched the office, but it's so, it's so perfect. And I, yeah, the, the, the voice casting is so great. Um, and, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, Bing Bong a little bit because that's just so great. Yeah, when, when Bing Bong comes into the movie, I mean, it it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's also, it's a great, not only is it is it great as far as like comic relief goes during, you know, kind of an intense period of the film, but it's also the way that they deal with a child losing her imagination as well and and him grasping onto you know trying to stay within her mind i mean it's it's heartbreaking yeah to- totally yeah and i yeah every every time it it does it gets me every time but he sacrifices himself so that joy can get back up out of that that pit of the lost memories yeah yeah it's yeah, it's great. It's it's sad, but also it's like it's but it's it's hopeful. It's it's like look, it's self-sacrificing. What a great what a great trait to have, you know. It's yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's 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 the top 5. That is the top 5. I don't know if you want to run down yours again really quick or whether you just want to just do the whole do you want to run down the your 23 ranked end to end? I will I will yeah, I'll run down my uh my uh my my 23 uh just so you know though obviously um inside out obviously the highest uh um joint and then um coco and toy story 3 if you average them out are are right neck and neck in terms of those so um that's anyways so 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 we're saying that the the top three like the cumulative thousand and one by one top three are are inside out probably toy story 3 and then coco yeah, I mean, Toy Story three, we both had it three, and then Coco was two and four. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I can live with that. That's a that's a solid top three. Pretty happy with that. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. And I I wonder when you hear where some of these other ones are, how you feel about it. But here we go. Number okay, twenty three, Cars two, twenty two, Brave, twenty one, Toy Story four, twenty, Cars three, nineteen, The Good Dinosaur, eighteen, Incredibles two. 17, Finding Dory, 16, Toy Story 2, 15, A Bug's Life, 14, Cars, 13, Monsters University, 12, Ratatouille, 11, Onward, 10, Wally, 9, Up, 8, The Incredibles, <laughs> 7, Soul, Six, Monsters, Inc., five, Toy Story, four, Finding Nemo, three, Toy Story, three, two, Coco, and one, Inside Out. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll run down mine, and then, I, and then I have some thoughts about your placement of some things. Here we go. Okay. Uh, number 23 is Cars 2, 22, A Bug's Life. 21 Cars 3, 20 Monsters Universe. Now, and I will say this, my 15 through 20, kind of interchangeable. Uh, so 20 Monsters University, 19 Onward, 18 The Incredibles 2, 
17, Finding Dory, 16, The Good Dinosaur, 15, Toy Story 2, 14, Toy Story 4, 13, Up, 12, Cars, uh, uh, 11, Soul, 10, Monsters, Inc., 9, Brave, 8, The Incredibles, 7, Toy Story, 6, Finding Nemo, 5, Wally, 4, Coco, 3, Toy Story 3, 2, Inside Out, and 1, Ratatouille. So I noticed we did have some the same. Our Incredibles 2 and Finding Dory both 18 and 17, and then the Incredibles at number 8. So let's let's see here. What did you have? You had Monsters University all the way up at 13. I had that at number 20, man. Monsters U did, again, like Cars 2 and 3, did almost nothing for me. It was another one I, where I was like looking at my watch, waiting for it to end. So of, of what I would call the unnecessary sequels... Um, it's the it's the one I like the most, and and what I mean by that are uh, outside of the Toy Story. Well, I guess I, I would include Toy Story four, I guess, in that. But both of the car sequels, Incredibles two, Finding Dory. Um, I I just I, I don't know. I I think there are parts of all of the, all of them that are that are fine and, and good. Um, Monsters University, I think I just had again the most fun with. I, I and you know I, there are parts of it that are that are way too silly, but I I love. Um, Charlie Day, uh, I just I was fun to hear to hear him in the movie as one of the characters, um, and you know I again you know kind of reaching here, but the the Pixar message in every movie I you know I like the idea that you don't always start out being friends with the people who you're going to know for the rest of your life. You know I I I frequently think of when Melissa and I were in middle school together, and I frequently teased her and make fun of her and now we've been married for seven years and have two kids together and and just you know getting get to relive college life i don't know i a lot of it worked for me i i don't think the the lessons are as big the emotions aren't nearly as high but i i enjoyed it for it, it was it was a lot of fun and i like the scare games i thought that was silly i just yeah yeah i as far as the monsters movie goes i I don't have a ton to say about University. I will say Monsters, Inc. I was surprised to find landing inside my top ten. As I, I, that's another movie. The first time I saw it, as I said, when I walked out of it, I was much more elated by the short than I was Monsters, Inc. I kind of wrote it off. I, I will tell you right now, I I am surprised that it, was, it got as high as it did for me as well. Um, yeah. And not... Because I remember, again, really liking it. Gr- I mean... Great, great vocal. I mean, we. I mean, come on. We're just fucking. Now we're just beating this to death. But I mean, the vocal casting in Monsters Inc. It, I I love it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I I really do like this. Like the stuff with Boo. And again, this idea of you know not judging somebody because of how they look and and this whole like like we can learn to not just like but love each other if we if we're open to it and. And then just the silliness of it, and, and John, of course, John Ratzenberger as the abominable snowman is fucking fantastic too. And I don't know, I, I, you know, it doesn't have the the like the stuff you know at the end with Boo is sweet, of course, but it doesn't have the really strong emotional uh, scenes that like my, the ones in my top five do. But it also it's just overall just a really good movie. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, it's. Between that and Finding Nemo, I mean, that's they're, they're, Pixar is starting to shake off those growing pains and starting to find their voice. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Now, I'm waiting for you to take me to task for having cars as high as I do. I had that at number 12. I, you know what? I, but I had it at 14. Like, again, it's... It's, it's pretty close. It's a fun movie. I, I, I totally get it. It's, I think a lot of it has to do with the relationship between Lightning McQueen and, and uh, Doc. Um, I, 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 I've never seen the appeal in Larry the Cable Guy. Um, so I, I, I think, but, but I think when, when used in, in a, I think when used in certain points, it's good. Again, I, I think it's just, uh, I, it's, it, it uses stereotype a, a little bit too much. Um, and it does rub me the wrong way. No, definitely. I, I, I get that. I just, this uh, time around, I don't know, for whatever reason, I found the writing to be much cleverer than I remember it being when it first came out. Yeah. I don't know. Time, time seemed to, to do okay for me with that movie. Not as, not stereo, I get the stereo, like I said, the stereotype yeah, yeah. thing, but from a, from a script point of view. I will say I'm a bit surprised that you have Toy Story 4 higher than Toy Story 2. Yeah, I even after our discussion, I went back and I reevaluated the list a little bit, and and Toy Story four did drop because it was originally I think at twelve, um, it dropped to fourteen, but I don't know, man. There's, I don't know. I can't I can't really reconcile it. I just uh, the the, I think the animation really is what gives it the edge over Toy Story 2 for me when I look at it as like a like a finished product I think Toy Story 4 is is better to look at I, I talked a little bit about that in the environment that kind of gives it a, it's it's not it's not much of an excuse for it being higher than two but I think it, it does have an edge and I and I, I do as I mentioned I appreciated quite a few things coming full circle Gabby Gabby and she's a better antagonist for me than the prospector yeah as much as i do like the prospector but also oh soul we should seeing as though soul is so new we should probably do just a little bit on soul you had that at number seven i had it at 11 i to me so i i I don't want to say too much about it because i i actually um i brought it up with one of my classes the other day and i was surprised well maybe not i don't know a lot of my students hadn't seen it um, now they're not young. These are, these are college students, but still I figured, you know, they would, they might've seen it. Um, what I, 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 again, I mean, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's very, it's number seven on my list. It's very high. Um, I, I the only thing I want to say is that this really, it isn't a kid's movie. I mean, and I, and I've heard a lot about it. And the one thing that I'll steal and agree with is that I think until, uh, Jamie, Bo- Jamie Foxx's soul goes into a cat it is not a, it's not a kid's movie. Um, and I think, and I don't, I don't think that it, the, the cat stuff is in there just for, for the kids necessarily. But I think without that, I don't, I don't know if Stella would have stuck with it. I, I mean, I, I gotta be honest. I mean, she, I think she liked it enough, but it's really, it, it's in a, it, it's a, it's a, existentialist film you know what is life yeah. what is the meaning of life and it's it's got some deep themes in it it's yeah it's very cerebral i do really love the scene where they're in the barber shop where 22 is in his body obviously he's in the cat at this point but yeah. how how lucia has she's starting to have conversations with other people and she's figuring out what it is that makes us human and it's 
a lot of what makes us human is how we interact with with other people. Yes, that's, that's, that's such a great scene in the barbershop and the way she's you know she flips the other guy shit that usually flips him shit. I mean that's it's all really good stuff. I mean the ending <laughs> is really and again I won't ruin it because of how new it is, but the ending is really the big highlight for me on Soul. And it honestly, a year from now, Soul will probably go up my list from eleven. Yeah, I it, there's a there's a swell. I mean, I and it's already pretty high up, but I mean, you know, I do have a soft spot for Monsters Inc. But uh, y- y- yeah, um, I, I'd have to uh, I, I'd have to agree with you on that. Were there any other movies on the list you wanted to throw a little love? I mean, I I, I did want to, I I really wanted to say what I said about Up, um, because when it works. It, it it really it really works. Um, uh, unfortunately, there's just I think a little bit too much going on in that in that movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think Up is a better concept than it was a final product. And I, I for me with Up, it goes so big right up front that until you get to the end with the scrapbook, it's really left itself nowhere to go. And and I'm glad we were drawing comparisons between it and Ratatouille because Muntz is nowhere near as strong an antagonist as the Anton Ego character. And it feels like they're kind of trying to do him again a little bit, even down to the, the casting. Because it's, uh, isn't it Christopher Plummer that does Muntz? Yes. And then you have Peter O'Toole as, as uh, Anton Ego. So you have these two giants of, of British cinema playing these two characters. Um, you know, for me, when I, when I look at the parts of Up that don't work, you know, a lot of the stuff at Paradise Falls, I tell you what, man, what I was thinking about with how unnecessary a fifth Indiana Jones movie is, if you just had Harrison Ford dub the voice of Carl, there you go. You've got Indiana Jones 5. (laughs) With how, like, ridiculous, like, action-packed, rollicking adventure it tries to be. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it does during some of those action sequences, it just descends into nonsense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I yes, I, I won't, yeah. I won't disagree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole, that whole, all the Zeppelin stuff, I'm like, it just makes me. Why are we here? Yeah. Like, like we, like we say on this show, what story are you trying to tell? Yeah. And uh, even though Good Dinosaur is number 16 on my list, I know that film got a ton of shit when it came out. I will, I did want to compliment Good Dinosaur's visuals. I mean, the character models aren't the best, but the environments, the, but there are moments where like you could pause the movie, and I think if you didn't tell somebody it was a Pixar, you could, you could ask somebody, hey, is this real or is this computer generated? And there's some shots in that film where it'd be hard to tell the difference. Tr- truth be told... This honestly should be maybe a few spots higher for me. The The thing is, is that we went through about, a, I would say, and I want to underestimate uh, it, at least two weeks where this was on every day. Every that, that's day. And for whatever reason, Stella went through, Stella went through a weird great mouse detective phase and she went through a good dinosaur phase where every day, what do you want to watch, Stella? Good dinosaur perfect i'm so glad this will be the eighth time in a row i've watched this fucking movie but uh yeah, I, I can so. hear you i can hear your soul being crushed in your response 
Yeah, man, I, I really wanted to like The Good Dinosaur more. It's just such a basic story. It's so flat and kind of uninteresting, and the character models aren't fantastic. I mean, there's they even they go so far as to have their Lion King moment. You know, it's the whole Musta, uh, uh, Mufasa, Mufasa on the cliff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a little, it was a little much. And then, um, I, last thing, last thing that I would say about our rankings is onward being number 11 for you. Number, number 19 for me, like onward again is, it's one I've, I've seen it twice now and it's, it's again, there's a lot about it like up where I think there's conceptually, there's some good stuff there. It's just, I had a hard time connecting with it. I, I I actually thought I wasn't gonna like it as much as I did. Um, uh, I I'm not a big Chris Pratt fan. I think he's I think he's apt aptly cast in this though. Um, and same with uh, uh, Spider Man, whose name has fallen out of my head right now. Uh, Tom Holland. Thank you. Uh, I I like him. I like him as the role. I like what they're trying to do. I think it's got a really sweet message in it. But I I gotta say I think again and again right, we've talked about this before too. Like how and when you see the movie can also affect your, your opinion of it. This was in the middle. This was like what? Uh, May, June of quarantine. Like, like just desperate for something to look forward to. And Oh shit. Disney plus they're going to drop it. We're not, they're not going to push it out. It's going to be free the day it comes out. And we made a big, we made a big fucking deal about it. We had popcorn and we like, we watch as a family and it's, Unlike Soul, which is, I think, a bit too uh, intellectual for my kids, this was just right up their fucking alley. And it was such a fun thing to watch. And, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I mean, again, it's hard to know. You know, it's in between. It's like it's in, right in between Wally and Ratatouille. So, it, it, you know, it's hard to say where it'll go as the years go by. Um, probably not much higher or lower than where it is now. Um, but, yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. And that's why, like, because Monsters Monsters University is kind of close there, too. It's weird. It's either my my selections there are movies that I think are just are more fun than anything else or conceptually just maybe a bit too much or maybe it'll go up and down. I don't I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I had fun with that one. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I got to the end of it and I was like, I I think exactly what I said was, is that it? (laughs) <laughs> I, like I got to, I just I, there's like there's there's something missing to this one like they're they're go, they're going to some great places and I I love the concept I love this idea of this world where there once was magic and now somebody invents the light bulb so you don't need to cast the spell for light anymore like that's all really cool but story wise it's just like there's just I don't know I I feel like we could have done something they could have done something more with it with that concept I mean. And th- and that's probably true, but I I think for what it is though I saw, I just had I had a blast. Yeah, yeah. Well, there there you go. There's there's our Pixar rankings, end to end, our top fives, bottom threes, some of the shorts we loved. Anything else you want to throw out, Pixar wise? I just I I I I love. And I I like that we had three. I. I, I got to be honest, I was a little concerned that we weren't... I, I wasn't sure what our overlap in the top five was going to be. And I'm I'm thrilled with where it is. Uh, it could have been four had you made the right decision and put Finding Nemo at five. But that's cool. It's cool. 
it's close enough <laughs> and uh it just it just proves that we we are uh when it comes to the Pixar films we are simpatico we we are mostly mostly on the same wavelength i don't know man i'm not i'm not letting go of this ratatouille thing it's not happening and and you know what and you don't have to oh well, i'm well i'm not gonna <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was it so that was great yeah, that... I, I i had a lot of fun talking pixar with you I, yeah, me, I, me too, man. And, and I do, I do have the Pixar fatigue, uh, but that does by no means, um, lessen the impact and fun of these films. Um, and we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. We're coming at you big with a 90th anniversary film from 1931. Don't want to spoil what it is. I'm, I'm very excited. I've never seen it before. So Ah, I'm I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. I'm excited too. We, we are, uh, unofficially, it, and I, I'll say that this way, you know, we've talked about trying to not do any repeat directors this year. We'll see how that goes. Not going to make any promises, but we are going to start off. We are, we have not talked about this, this person before really excited about it. Have a, have a guest on the episode coming up, which, which would be great, but we're not there yet. Um, so we got to do a little wrap up. So thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, let us know what are your favorite Pixar films. Tell us which one is, is the best, how we fucked up our top fives. Because that's cool. That's the fun thing to talk about movies. Maybe we did. Um, you can support the show at patreon.com slash 1001 by one. You can listen to us on Spotify and Stitcher, Google Play and Apple Podcasts and many, many more. Please like, rate, subscribe, all of those wonderful things. Come back next week for uh, a, an anniversary talk on a really great film. But until then, I am Adam. And I am Ian. And we will see you next week. Next week.